Part Four, Chapters One and Two of the Kama Sutra. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Kama Sutra by Vatsyayana, Part Four, About a Wife, Chapter One, On the Manner of Living of a Virtuous Woman and of Her Behavior During the Absence of Her Husband. A virtuous woman, who has affection for her husband, should act in conformity with his wishes as if he were a divine being, and with his consent should take upon herself the whole care of his family. She should keep the whole house well cleaned, and arrange flowers of various kinds in different parts of it, and make the floor smooth and polished so as to give the whole a neat and becoming appearance. She should surround the house with a garden, and place ready in it all the materials required for the morning, noon, and even sacrifices. Moreover, she should herself revere the sanctuary of the household gods, for, says Gonardia, nothing so much attracts the heart of the householder to his wife as a careful observance of the things mentioned above. Towards the parents, relations, friends, sisters, and servants of her husband, she should behave as they deserve. In the garden she should plant beds of green vegetables, bunches of the sugar-cane, and clumps of the fig-tree, the mustard-plant, the parsley-plant, the fennel-plant, and the xanthochymus pictorius. Clusters of various flowers, such as the trappa bispinosa, the jasmine, the jasminium grandiflorum, the yellow amaranth, the wild jasmine, the taberna montana coronaria, the nattywarta, the china rose and others should likewise be planted, together with the fragrant grass Andropogon chenanthus, and the fragrant root of the plant Andropogon miricatus. She should also have seats and arbors made in the garden, in the middle of which a well, tank, or pool should be dug. The wife should always avoid the company of female beggars, female Buddhist mendicants, unchaste and roguish women, female fortune-tellers, and witches. As regards meals, she should always consider what her husband likes and dislikes, and what things are good for him, and what are injurious to him. When she hears the sounds of his footsteps coming home, she should at once get up, and be ready to do whatever he may command her, and either order her female servant to wash his feet, or wash them herself. When going anywhere with her husband, she should put on her ornaments, and without his consent she should not either give or accept invitations, or attend marriages and sacrifices, or sit in the company of female friends, or visit the temples of the gods. And if she wants to engage in any kind of games or sports, she should not do it against his will. In the same way she should always sit down after him, and get up before him, and should never awaken him when he is asleep. The kitchen should be situated in a quiet and retired place, so as not to be accessible to strangers, and should always look clean. In the event of any misconduct on the part of her husband, she should not blame him excessively, though she be a little displeased. She should not use abusive language towards him, but rebuke him with conciliatory words, whether he be in the company of friends or alone. Moreover, she should not be a scold. For, says Gonardia, there is no cause of dislike on the part of a husband so great as this characteristic in a wife. Lastly, she should avoid bad expressions, sulky looks, 
speaking aside, standing in the doorway and looking at passers-by, conversing in the pleasure-groves, and remaining in a lonely place for a long time, and finally she should always keep her body, her teeth, her hair, and everything belonging to her, tidy, sweet, and clean. When the wife wants to approach her husband in private, her dress should consist of many ornaments, various kinds of flowers, and a cloth decorated with different colours, and some sweet-smelling ointments or unguents. But her everyday dress should be composed of a thin, close-textured cloth, a few ornaments and flowers, and a little scent, not too much. She should also observe the fasts and vows of her husband, and when he tries to prevent her doing this, she should persuade him to let her do it. At appropriate times of the year, and when they happen to be cheap, she should buy earth, bamboos, firewood, skins, and iron pots, as also salt and oil. Fragrant substances, vessels made of the fruit of the plant Rytea antidysenterica, or oval-leafed Rytea, medicines, and other things which are always wanted, should be obtained when required and kept in a secret place of the house. The seeds of the radish, the potato, the common beet, the Indian wormwood, the mango, the cucumber, the eggplant, the kushmanda, the pumpkin gourd, the serana, the bignonia indica, the sandalwood, the premna spinosa, the garlic plant, the onion, and other vegetables, should be bought and sown at the proper seasons. The wife, moreover, should not tell to strangers the amount of her wealth, nor the secrets which her husband has confided to her. She should surpass all the women of her own rank in life in her cleverness, her appearance, her knowledge of cookery, her pride, and her manner of serving her husband. The expenditure of the year should be regulated by the profits. The milk that remains after the meals should be turned into ghee or clarified butter. Oil and sugar should be prepared at home. Spinning and weaving should also be done there, and a store of ropes and cords, and barks of trees for twisting into ropes, should be kept. She should also attend to the pounding and cleaning of rice, using its small grain and chaff in some way or other. She should pay the salaries of the servants, look after the tilling of the fields, and keeping of the flocks and herds, superintend the making of vehicles, and take care of the rams, cocks, quails, parrots, starlings, cuckoos, peacocks, monkeys, and deer, and finally adjust the income and expenditure of the day. The worn-out clothes should be given to those servants who have done good work, in order to show them that their services have been appreciated, or they may be applied to some other use. The vessels in which wine is prepared, as well as those in which it is kept, should be carefully looked after, and put away at the proper time. All sales and purchases should also be well attended to. The friends of her husband she should welcome by presenting them with flowers, ointment, incense, betel leaves, and betel nut. Her father-in-law and mother-in-law she should treat as they deserve, always remaining dependent on their will, never contradicting them, speaking to them in few and not harsh words, not laughing loudly in their presence, and acting with their friends and enemies as with her own. In addition to the above, she should not be vain, or too much taken up with her enjoyments. She should be liberal towards her servants, and reward them on holidays and festivals, 
and not give away anything without first making it known to her husband. Thus ends the manner of living of a virtuous woman. During the absence of her husband on a journey, the virtuous woman should wear only her auspicious ornaments, and observe the fasts in honour of the gods. While anxious to hear the news of her husband, she should still look after her household affairs. She should sleep near the elder women of the house, and make herself agreeable to them. She should look after, and keep in repair, the things that are liked by her husband, and continue the works that have been begun by him. To the abode of her relations she should not go, except on occasions of joy and sorrow, and then she should go in her usual travelling dress, accompanied by her husband's servants, and not remain there for a long time. The fasts and feasts should be observed with the consent of the elders of the house. The resources should be increased by making purchases and sales according to the practice of the merchants, by means of honest servants superintended by herself. The income should be increased, and the expenditure diminished as much as possible. And when her husband returns from his journey, she should receive him at first in her ordinary clothes, so that he may know in what way she has lived during his absence, and should bring to him some presents, as also materials for the worship of the deity. Thus ends the part relating to the behaviour of a wife during the absence of her husband on a journey. There are also some verses on the subject as follows. The wife, whether she be a woman of noble family, or a virgin widow remarried, or a concubine, should lead a chaste life, devoted to her husband, and doing everything for his welfare. Footnote. Virgin widow probably refers to a girl married in her infancy, or when very young, and whose husband had died before she arrived at the age of puberty. Infant marriages are still the common custom of the Hindus. End of footnote. Women acting thus acquire Dharma, Artha, and Kama, obtain a high position, and generally keep their husbands devoted to them. CHAPTER Two, On the conduct of the elder wife towards the other wives of her husband, and on that of a younger wife towards the elder ones, also on the conduct of a virgin widow remarried, of a wife disliked by her husband, of the women in the king's harem, and lastly, on the conduct of a husband towards many wives. The causes of remarrying during the lifetime of the wife are as follows. 1. The folly or ill-temper of the wife. 2. Her husband's dislike to her. 3. The want of offspring. 4. The continual birth of daughters. 5. The incontinence of the husband. From the very beginning the wife should endeavour to attract the heart of her husband, by showing to him continually her devotion, her good temper, and her wisdom. If, however, she bears him no children, she should herself tell her husband to marry another woman. And when the second wife is married, and brought to the house, the first wife should give her a position superior to her own, and look upon her as a sister. In the morning the elder wife should forcibly make the younger one decorate herself in the presence of their husband, and should not mind all the husband's favour being given to her. If the younger wife does anything to displease her husband, the elder one should not neglect her, but should always be ready to give her most careful advice, 
and should teach her to do various things in the presence of her husband. Her children she should treat as her own. Her attendants she should look upon with more regard, even than on her own servants. Her friends she should cherish with love and kindness, and her relations with great honour. When there are many other wives besides herself, the elder wife should associate with the one who is immediately next to her in rank and age, and should instigate the wife who has recently enjoyed her husband's favour to quarrel with the present favourite. After this she should sympathise with the former, and having collected all the other wives together, should get them to denounce the favourite as a scheming and wicked woman, without, however, committing herself in any way. If the favourite wife happens to quarrel with the husband, then the elder wife should take her part, and give her false encouragement, and thus cause the quarrel to be increased. If there be only a little quarrel between the two, the elder wife should do all she can to work it up into a large quarrel. But if after this she finds the husband still continues to love his favourite wife, she should then change her tactics, and endeavour to bring about a conciliation between them, so as to avoid her husband's displeasure." Thus ends the conduct of the elder wife. The younger wife should regard the elder wife of her husband as her mother, and should not give anything away, even to her own relations, without her knowledge. She should tell her everything about herself, and not approach her husband without her permission. Whatever is told to her by the elder wife she should not reveal to others, and she should take care of the children of the senior even more than of her own. When alone with her husband she should serve him well, but should not tell him of the pain she suffers from the existence of a rival wife. She may also obtain secretly from her husband some marks of his particular regard for her, and may tell him that she lives only for him, and for the regard that he has for her. She should never reveal her love for her husband, nor her husband's love for her to any person, either in pride or in anger for a wife that reveals the secrets of her husband is despised by him. As for seeking to obtain the regard of her husband, Gonardia says, that it should always be done in private, for fear of the elder wife. If the elder wife be disliked by her husband, or be childless, she should sympathize with her, and should ask her husband to do the same, but should surpass her in leading the life of a chaste woman. Thus ends the conduct of the younger wife towards the elder. A widow in poor circumstances, or of a weak nature, and who allies herself again to a man, is called a widow remarried. The followers of Bavhavra say that a virgin widow should not marry a person whom she may be obliged to leave on account of his bad character, or of his being destitute of the excellent qualities of a man she thus being obliged to have recourse to another person. Gonardia is of opinion that as the cause of a widow's marrying again is her desire for happiness, and as happiness is secured by the possession of excellent qualities in her husband, joined to love of enjoyment, it is better, therefore, to secure a person endowed with such qualities in the first instance. Batsyayana, however, thinks that a widow may marry any person that she likes, and that she thinks will suit her. At the time of her marriage the widow should obtain from her husband the money to pay the cost of drinking parties, and picnics with her relations, 
and of giving them and her friends kindly gifts and presents. Or she may do these things at her own cost, if she likes. In the same way she may wear either her husband's ornaments or her own. As to the presence of affection mutually exchanged between the husband and herself, there is no fixed rule about them. If she leaves her husband after marriage of her own accord, she should restore to him whatever he may have given her, with the exception of the mutual presence. If, however, she is driven out of the house by her husband, she should not return anything to him. After her marriage, she should live in the house of her husband like one of the chief members of the family, but should treat the other ladies of the family with kindness, the servants with generosity, and all the friends of the house with familiarity and good temper. She should show that she is better acquainted with the sixty-four arts than the other ladies of the house, and in any quarrels with her husband she should not rebuke him severely, but in private do everything that he wishes, and make use of the sixty-four ways of enjoyment. She should be obliging to the other wives of her husband, and to their children she should give presents, behave as their mistress, and make ornaments and playthings for their use. In the friends and servants of her husband she should confide more than in his other wives, and finally she should have a liking for drinking parties, going to picnics, attending fairs and festivals, and for carrying out all kinds of games and amusements. Thus ends the conduct of a virgin widow remarried. A woman who is disliked by her husband, and annoyed and distressed by his other wives, should associate with the wife who is liked most by her husband, and who serves him more than the others, and should teach her all the arts with which she is acquainted. She should act as the nurse of her husband's children, and having gained over his friends to her side, should through them make him acquainted of her devotion to him. In religious ceremonies she should be a leader, as also in vows and fasts, and should not hold too good an opinion of herself. When her husband is lying on his bed, she should only go near him when it is agreeable to him, and should never rebuke him or show obstinacy in any way. If her husband happens to quarrel with any of his other wives, she should reconcile them to each other, and if he desires to see any woman secretly, she should manage to bring about the meeting between them. She should moreover make herself acquainted with the weak points of her husband's character, but always keep them secret, and on the whole behave herself in such a way as may lead him to look upon her as a good and devoted wife. Here ends the conduct of a wife disliked by her husband. The above sections will show how all the women of the King's Seraglio are to behave, and therefore we shall now speak separately only about the King. The female attendants in the harem, called severally Kanchukilyas, footnote, a name given to the maid-servants of the Zanana of the kings in ancient times, on account of their always keeping their breasts covered with a cloth called Kanchuki. It was customary in the olden time for the maid-servants to cover their breasts with a cloth, while the queens kept their breasts uncovered. This custom is distinctly to be seen in the Ajunta cave paintings. And footnote. Mahalarikas, footnote, the meaning of this word is a superior woman, so it would seem that a Mahalarika must be a person in authority over the maid-servants of the house. End footnote. 
and Mahalikas, footnote, this was also appertaining to the rank of women employed in the harem. In latter times this place was given to eunuchs, end footnote, should bring flowers, ointments, and clothes from the king's wives to the king, and he having received these things should give them as presents to the servants, along with the things worn by him the previous day. In the afternoon the king, having dressed and put on his ornaments, should interview the women of the harem, who should also be dressed and decorated with jewels. Then, having given to each of them such a place and such respect as may suit the occasion, and as they may deserve, he should carry on with them a cheerful conversation. After that he should see such of his wives as may be virgin widows remarried, and after them the concubines and dancing girls. All of these should be visited in their own private rooms. When the king rises from his noonday sleep, the woman whose duty it is to inform the king regarding the wife who is to spend the night with him, should come to him accompanied by the female attendants of that wife, whose turn may have arrived in the regular course, and of her who may have been accidentally passed over as her turn arrived, and of her who may have been unwell at the time of her turn. These attendants should place before the king the ointments and unguents sent by each of these wives, marked with the seal of her ring, and their names and their reasons for sending the ointments should be told to the king. After this the king accepts the ointment of one of them, who then is informed that her ointment has been accepted, and that her day has been settled. Footnote. As kings generally had many wives, it was usual for them to enjoy their wives by turns. But as it happened sometimes that some of them lost their turns owing to the king's absence, or to their being unwell, then in such cases the women whose turns had been passed over, and those whose turns had come, used to have a sort of lottery, and the ointment of all the claimants was sent to the king, who accepted the ointment of one of them, and thus settled the question. And a footnote. At festivals, singing parties, and exhibitions, all the wives of the king should be treated with respect, and served with drinks. But the women of the harem should not be allowed to go out alone, neither should any women outside the harem be allowed to enter it, except those whose character is well known. And lastly, the work which the king's wives have to do should not be too fatiguing. Thus ends the conduct of the king towards the women of the harem, and of their own conduct. A man marrying many wives should act fairly towards them all. He should neither disregard nor pass over their faults, and should not reveal to one wife the love, passion, bodily blemishes, and confidential reproaches of the other. No opportunity should be given to any one of them of speaking to him about their rivals, and if one of them should begin to speak ill of another, he should chide her, and tell her that she has exactly the same blemishes in her character. One of them he should please by secret confidence, another by secret respect, and another by secret flattery, and he should please them all by going to gardens, by amusements, by presents, by honouring their relations, by telling them secrets, and lastly by loving unions. A young woman who is of a good temper, and who conducts herself according to the precepts of the Holy Writ, wins her husband's attachment, and obtains a superiority over her rivals. 
Thus ends the conduct of a husband towards many wives. This is also the end of part four.